This episode of The Flush Podcast is brought to you by Waltons, Aluma Trailers, North Dakota Tourism, Federal Ammunition, Onyx Hunt, and by Nutrisource Pet Foods. Today I'm kicking off the holiday season with a show giving thanks to you, our bird dogs, upland birds, and the wild places that we cherish. Tis the season to be grateful. Welcome to another episode of the Flush Podcast. I'm Travis Frank. I'm your host. I've been the host now for jeepers, almost three years. Brandon Martin has been with me for every one of these shows in one way or another. A lot of times he's not sitting in the room with me. Uh, sometimes he is, uh, but I've been on the road quite a bit and he's been back here holding down the fort, and he brings all of these episodes to you. I send him the files. He takes out all of my mistakes, but he claims there's not many other than audio glitches and things like that. But he really does a lot of work on this episode, and I'm grateful for Brandon. Today's episode, it's just me. I typically have a guest, sometimes many guests. The last couple of weeks have really been a lot of fun. We've been on the road at bird camps and just trying to bring you a little bit of what it's like to be on the road. We've had a lot of fun, a lot of success. My goodness. I've had people ask me, how's your hunting season been this year? And I've told them, probably one of the best I've ever had. A um, lot of reasons for that. One, bird numbers are doing very well. Um, throughout most of pheasant country, grouse hunting, woodcock, that's been amazing. I've got a chance to experience some really, truly remarkable places. Alaska kicked it all off this year. And that was a rugged adventure that will remain in my memory forever. Uh, but not only that, the people. Every, every time people ask what I really love about my job, I say the places that I get to go and the people that I meet, because we have this passion that we share. And it's truly a blessing to be able to meet you, a lot of our listeners, uh, people that have the same passion for their dogs and hunting, the drive to see what's over that next hill and the next mountain, the next valley, whatever it might be. Just like my dog, I, I, I've got a perfect fit. My wife always tells me that, boy, God gave us just a match made in heaven. She has wheels to go see what's on the other side, and I truly appreciate that about her. And I think she maybe appreciates that about me, too. I don't know for sure. Um, Daisy and I have had just a wonderful, wonderful season. We've seen places that just are truly remarkable. And I think if we stop, if we all stopped while we're out there in the field the next time and just looked around. We just just stand there for a moment and take it in. Doesn't matter if it's flat, if it's a side of a mountain, heck, even in a cattail slough. Look down. Look at the tracks. Think about what it takes for that bird to survive out there. Everything that went into that moment. It's a big picture and it's a special one. And it's one that I think most of us really do appreciate. 
And that's why we're out here. Next week, Wednesday, November 30th at 7 p.m. at Bear Cave Brewing in Hopkins, Minnesota, we're doing another live flush podcast. The one and only Ron Shera will be my guest on that show. And I might line up a surprise guest to join us as well. Stay tuned for that. But either way, we hope you'll join us. We hope you'll bring a friend or two, a family member, and come out and be a part of the show. This is our third live show at the Bear Cave Brewing, and it's been a lot of fun to meet a lot of you that have come out. It's fun to have you come up and share your stories and heckle us a little bit. It makes it, I don't know, I guess it just makes it a lot of fun for us to be able to do this, to to know that you're listening and you care and you want to be there and you want to be a part of this show. And that's really what makes this a lot of fun for me. The community, all of us together, all the fun, all the messages I have. But when you guys come out in person, it just takes it to a whole nother level. We'll probably have some swag to give away again. So if you come up and you ask questions during the live show, you'll be able to take something cool back with you to your chair, the Bear Cave Brewing. Uh, It's a cool brewery. They have all these beers on tap. You just swipe your wristband or card or whatever it is. And you, you're your own bartender. It's a pretty cool place. Um, again, 7 p.m. Wednesday, November 30th, Bear Cave Brewing in Hopkins, Minnesota. I mentioned off the top of this show that this is a show of thanks, thankfulness, thanksgiving. Tomorrow is Thanksgiving, and it's the start of another holiday season. There's so much to be thankful for. And this time of the year, it really forces me to reflect on that, which, you know, it's a busy time of the year. We're on the road a lot. I've been on the road a lot. But the opportunity to get off the road and to sit down and spend that time with my, my family, I think this reflection time is a good thing. I hope that this season gives you the chance to stop for a moment too and choose to think about everything in your life that brings you joy and peace. Life moves really, really fast. Work can really dominate our life. And I'm not sure that that is how it's really supposed to go. Work, dominating life, I mean. Stealing more time from our life and family than it's supposed to. I think finding a balance is critical. Our families are critical. I'm constantly reminded that my family needs me. My kids, they need me. They really don't need gifts. I've been thinking about this, you know, and I stop and reflect. They don't need toys and things and stuff. They need our time together. I've heard it said more times than I can count that you won't be grateful for all the extra hours you put in at work when you're laying on your deathbed. I don't know how many times people have said that, but obviously that's true. You'll be thankful for the times that you spent with your loved ones, taking those extra days off from work, being satisfied with what you have and not wanting more. As far as money goes, there's never enough. I know we all need to make ends meet, and I get that, but I truly believe there's a point When we all should and can stop and say, do I have enough? 
Is our time more valuable than those extra dollar bills? That's a real question. The times I've spent walking in the field with my kids this year, sitting in a deer blind, in a duck blind, in a goose blind, watching our dog hunt, go on point, bringing back a grouse, with my kids there, spending that time with my family, I can't think of anything tangible that's better than that. And I get that we all have to work hard to make those things happen. I do work as hard as I can. I just have to remind myself that there is a point where I have enough and my time is way more valuable. I've seen way too many people miss these moments with their wives and husbands and children because they wanted more money and more stuff. And it's sad, but I've seen money ruin marriages. Money and stuff didn't bring them joy. This time of the year can be filled with joy for some and stress for others. Growing up, I had a love-hate relationship with the holidays. My parents got divorced when I was young. And the holidays, to be honest, they were tough. My brother and sister and I could never be in both places at once. And one of our parents were always left alone on Thanksgiving and Christmas. I watched both my mom and dad cry for many years when we had to leave year after year. That's not joyful when you're a kid. That's not fun. It's pretty tough. For some families, getting together is a challenge. Some of you have parents, brothers, sisters, aunts, and uncles that you just would rather not see. There's a lot of hurt in this world. Politics suck. I, I really pray that this is a year that you can rise above the past. Give grace. Give those people a second, third, fourth, tenth, twentieth chance. It just might bring joy into your home, for your family, and in your heart. I've grown up now a little bit. <laughs> I feel like I've grown up a little bit. And I've found a new joy in these holidays. My wife and I host Thanksgiving at our home. We've got four beautiful kids. Beautiful. We have an open invitation since we started hosting. And we send it to both, both of our parents. I fortunately still have both of my parents. My wife doesn't have either of hers. Both my mom and dad come to our house for the holidays and they enjoy it together, which if we look back on the journey we've been on, it's pretty special. It's pretty beautiful how time can heal. We've had strangers at our table eating our Thanksgiving meals with us. And it brings so much joy to know that someone that might not have had somewhere to go that day or didn't chose to come and sit at our table and be part of our family. I always stop during the chaos of a house full of screaming kids and the chaos of everything trying to fill the platters and put the food out there. But I thank God for the noise and the laughter in our house. Cause I've had somebody years ago tell me 
when I said, wow, it must be nice to have a quiet home now and everybody's out. And they said, yeah, that's nice. If you like quiet and, and uh, nobody in your house. <laughs> so enjoy these moments, I think is what I'm trying to say. Enjoy the moments that are coming this holiday season. I, I truly stop when the house is full and thank God for those noisy days and all the laughter and the kids running. That's what my heart always wanted, and I'm so grateful that I have it. I'm grateful for my wife and my children. Oh, gosh, so much more grateful than I can even put into words. Honey, if you're listening, I love you. Weston, Cash, Lydia, and Sylvie, I love you too. Mom, Dad, I love you too. Life is a journey, and I think we can really choose to see it half full or half empty, right? The glass can be either way. Which way are you going to look? For the positives or the negatives. And I pray that you choose to see the positives this year and that your holidays are full of things to be thankful for. Walton's has been one of our best supporters, and I'm forever grateful for that. Brett Walton and his boys and John Tremblay, the whole family there at Walton's, they work to provide everything that we need to prepare and process our wild game. And right now, I'm told that they're running a Black Friday sale and more sales leading up to Christmas. If you order anything on their site, over 5,000 items, by the way, it ships the same day. Anything from seasonings and spices to stuffers and grinders, mixers, everything but the meat. They've got it. And right now, they've got it on sale, making it even better. If there's anything you might need, for yourself or that hunter or angler in your life, odds are they've got it. Check out Waltons.com. The flush. So fast, it hardly seems real. So vivid, the moment freezes in time before erupting in a blur of spurs and feathers. It's why we changed the way upland loads are built with Prairie Storm. Exclusive flight control flex wad technology and a mix of copper plated lead and flight stopper pellets combine to create dents Deadly shot strains through any choke. Longer shots, more power, fewer missed birds. Only from Federal. The Onyx Hunt app is one of the most valuable hunting tools that I take into the field every day. I use it on every hunt. Seriously, every hunt. Their app tells me everything I need to know about the lands that I want to hunt and the lands that we can all legally hunt on. The app also shows your location on planet Earth and clearly lays out the land boundaries. It tells you information about the type of property you're on, like state land or federal lands or walk-in access properties. It's ideal for scouting before the hunt and during the hunt to help put together patterns. The app also has helpful features that show you the kind of crops that are in fields, which obviously is a big deal for us upland bird hunters. And there's a timber cut layer to help you find the right forest habitat for rough grouse. If you hunt in North Dakota, there's even a layer that lets you know if a property has been posted electronically. These are just a few of the many tools Onyx apps give you. And these maps can even be used in areas without cell coverage. From the palm of your hand, Onyx Maps always help you to know where you stand. Like many of you that I'm about to share stories about, you sent us what you're thankful for this year, and I'm going to read them. I'm, I love this. I'm thankful for the never-ending love that God pours onto me and to us. A prayer that my wife and I say with our kids almost every day is, God, please help us to love others the way that you love us. I pray that for you this year as well. 
Tomorrow is Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you. After Thanksgiving, then we get Black Friday, one of the busiest bird hunting days of the year. Next to opening day, this might be one of the best kept bird hunting traditions in America. I've been hunting pheasants on Black Friday for more years than I can remember. The first time I watched a pointing dog, it was a German short-haired pointer, it stuck a point on a pheasant, and that was on a Black Friday. That dog is no longer with us, but the memory still sticks with me. One shot, and that rooster came right back to hand. It was beautiful. I'd never seen anything like that before. Yes, I've seen flushers get wild and crazy and bust birds out of the cover, but I'd never seen a dog go on point. I thank my friend Tim Dingwall for that memory and his dog that made it happen. The funny thing about that dog is that he was one of the weirdest dogs I've ever met. Yep, he pointed the first rooster for me, and he was also the first dog to hump my leg. <laughs> I don't know man, how many times he tried to hump my leg over the years, but it wasn't just me. If you're laughing and you say, well, maybe it was me. No, he tried to hump a lot of legs. <laughs> I watched him do it time and again. Dogs are weird and awesome. Some days they're the worst. Most days, they're the best. Since this show is about being thankful, I'll say I'm very thankful for my dog. Daisy has really turned a corner this year. Just like many of you told me that she would. Yep, she's two and a half years old now, and this is technically her third hunting season. This is a season where a lot of dogs put it together. They mature well, Daisy's pointed hundreds of birds for me this year, and I'm not exaggerating. Her wild ways are mostly behind her. Every once in a while, she makes a slip up. But you know what? I miss a few shots, too. <laughs> My good buddy, George Lyle, has told me that many, many times. When I call him and tell him how things are going, he says, Did you, did you hit every shot you took today? No, no, I didn't. No, in fact, I've had some of the worst misses of my life this season. And you know what? The camera was there for basically every stinking one of them. Every time I miss a chip shot, I look back and I say to the cameraman, did you get that? And every single time they laugh and say, oh yeah, that was my best shot of the day. And then I make a killer crossing shot on a bird in 35 mile an hour winds at 50 yards. And I look back and say, did you get that? And they say, get what? <laughs> oh, the struggle is real. It sometimes can be so frustrating that my biggest misses are all captured for everybody to laugh at. And I hear it. I hear from you. Mostly, you're laughing with me, and you appreciate that we air that on TV because you say, yeah, we all miss. I, speaking of George, am thankful for George. George has been a mentor that I have talked about in this show for many, many years. George Lyle has so much dog training experience, and he chooses still to this day, God bless him, to share that wisdom with me. The success that I'm seeing in my dog, I give to George. He claims that I'm listening and paying attention, and that's what's the best cause of it, or the real reason for her success. But the truth is, I don't believe I would be where I am 
and she would be where she is without him. So thank you, George. Thank you to anybody that chooses to mentor another. I am learning still. I have a lot to learn yet. But a friend of mine came hunting with me a few weeks ago. And in the woods, he watched Daisy go on point again and again. And birds get up feet from her snout. And he took a couple shots and he hit some of those birds. And that was a Saturday and a Sunday. And his kids were there. And my kids were there. And our friend is there with his kids. And that Monday, I get a message with a photo and said, what do you think? Three days later, he went to pick up that pointer, that young bird dog. And then he listened to one of these podcasts and said, well, you told me that you got to find a mentor. Will you be mine? And I said, oh boy, we're all in trouble here, but of course I'll do it. I'm thankful for anybody who mentors somebody to share, to pass on the traditions, the wisdom that you learn, the mistakes that we make. Oh man, we all go through them. Some, they know better and they can avoid them and God bless you. But the fact that we're there to go through it together makes the experience rich. Everyone says it's about the dogs and I always laugh because all these interviews I do, everyone says they're out there for the dogs. It's about the whole experience. If we're being honest, it's about the whole experience. I'm thankful for my dad that took me hunting. I'm thankful for my uncles that took me hunting too. I had two grandpas that took me hunting and fishing. All of these people poured into my life and my journey, and I don't take them for granted. Today, I'm thankful that I can do the same for my kids and other kids too. I watched my nephew pull the trigger on his first deer just a couple weeks ago. It was a magical moment that we spent years building up to, from BB guns to 22s to shotguns to sighting in the rifle to being comfortable and confident and finally taking that shot. Both of my boys were there when it happened, making that moment even more special. My oldest pulled the trigger on his first grouse this year, his first ducks, geese, and doves too. I can't even begin to describe how special these moments have been. I say this all the time on this show, and I'll say it again right now. Please don't wait to bring your kids into the field with you. There is no time better than right now. I don't care how cold it is. I don't care where you're going, how you're getting there. They can be a part of it. Make the trips short and sweet if you want. Leave them wanting more. Move at their pace. Laugh at the struggles. The struggles are real. And that's part of the experience because once they break through and find success, boy, does it make it sweet. Celebrate those big moments with them. Talk through the mistakes. Bring snacks, lots of snacks. They might just love hunting as much as you do someday. So you're planting seeds in their soul. Don't miss those opportunities. Don't wait until they're 12 when they get their firearm safety permit. Bring them earlier. Let them carry a stick and pretend it's a shotgun. If they're three or five or eight or whatever, give them the opportunity to see it before you miss the chance. I'm thankful that I have this opportunity to share my love for the outdoors with you. I'm thankful that 
this is even a career that's possible. And obviously I'm thankful for my boss that makes this all happen. I'm also thankful for the team here that helps to produce all of this content. Brandon Martin, you produce this podcast and you never complain about any of the shows that I send to you. The midnight time that I get the files to you and you turn it around and it's out the door the next day. You make all of the shows sound great and I really appreciate that. Our videographers and editors bust their butts out in the field. Those cold, windy days are pretty easy to tolerate when you're the hunter in search of that epic flush and it's your dog, like when it's my dog out there in the field and I'm following her knowing what could happen. But they're lugging around a camera. They're not, they don't have that thrill of the trying to make that shot or the flush. Yes, they are passionate about trying to capture it all, but they have a lot on their shoulders. <laughs> the camera for one, the batteries, they are always there to document things as they happen. And I'm so grateful for that. They're the real stars of our shows. Of course, right along with the dogs. I'm thankful for landowners that give hunters permission. Yep, we have public lands to hunt and we hunt those regularly. But this is not about what we're always producing on TV. There are landowners out there that say yes to hunters when we knock on their doors. What they do is they open up an opportunity for us to create memories and moments that would otherwise not be possible. Sometimes it's with our kids. Sometimes it's with the first-time hunters. If you let someone hunt on your land, thank you. It means the world to that hunter, whether they tell you it or not, or the child that gets to experience a wild bird flush or a deer or a duck or pheasant or just any part of being out there. I am thankful for the open grasslands and the wild birds that challenge us in ways that a non-hunter cannot comprehend. Yeah, it's about the dogs, sure, but it's really about the entire experience. Can you make the shot? Will you, will you identify the bird? Will you get close enough? It's cool to watch the dogs do their job, but it's pretty, pretty special when you are part of that team that brings that bird down. I'm thankful for Brett Walton. Brett, I know this is random, and I know you're listening, because you listen to every single one of these shows, and I appreciate that. I know that I always have at least one listener every single week, and that means a lot to me. I'm really thankful for all of you. Your support of our shows has grown each and every year, and we're all so grateful for that. Your messages have been fantastic to receive, and it makes it feel like we're living in this Upland community with you. I sincerely hope you'll keep them coming. And you obviously have been and are. Yesterday, we posted a question on social media asking you, what are you thankful for this year? A few of you sent us your response. Here we go. This one comes from Doug Davis. I'm thankful for family and friends and good health. Really, there are too many blessings to possibly list, but I'm pretty grateful for my wife and the love and support she constantly gives. She puts up with me and my bird dog and our upland hunting journey. I'm thankful for my bird dog, Charlie. He came into my life when things were tough. He helped me get through it by having the desire to get outdoors and smell the fresh air. 
train, and hunt. Now I'm thankful my legs will carry me wherever my dog leads us. Have a happy, wonderful, and safe Thanksgiving. Joel Lesmeister says, I'm thankful for the life I've been able to live up to this point and thankful for a new opportunity every day. Tim Brown, the bearded uplander, says he's thankful for habitat, good friends, family, current bird dogs, and especially the bird dogs who aren't with us anymore. Tim lost one of his hunting companions this year, leaving a huge void in his heart. Mark Skeeth wrote, he's thankful for health, family, and faith. Brian Floyd said, family, health, and completing my U.S. quail slam this year. Next up, the forest grouse. Good luck to you, Brian. Patrick Smith says, huge expansions of prairie grass and a poodle pointer named Remy with a heart as big as her run. Nothing in the world like following a good dog. Amen to that. Scott Burge, 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 I'm not sure, B-E-R-G-E. I apologize if I mispronounce any names here. Going, he's thankful that he's going hunting with my father-in-law for the first time in Iowa. I'm not sure if he's thankful for hunting with his father-in-law for the first time or hunting in Iowa for the first time, but either way, both are amazing. And I just hunted in Iowa a couple days ago, and Scott, let me tell you, you're in for a treat. There are a lot of birds. If you didn't listen to last week's episode, you should. Second Century Habitat Fund out of South Dakota wrote, We're thankful for bird dogs, an incredible state bird to hunt, the rooster, obviously, and habitat to recreate on. Samuel O'Hara wrote, Faith, family, my trusty bird dog, and upland hunting. Terry Grimm wrote, Faith, family, friends, freedom, wild places to explore, and hardworking dogs to explore them with. Struggling outdoors, uh, not sure what his or her name is, but that's their social media account, wrote, I moved to Chucker Country. I'm thankful for dependable knees and strong lungs, having the privilege to chase birds in some of the most wild and beautiful parts of the country is a blessing I hope to enjoy for years to come. Kevin wrote, I'm thankful for Jason, who this is a tough one, Szczesniak, S-Z-C-Z-E-S-N-I-A-K. Anyway, Jason turned me on to the flush at our house or at our South Dakota hunt this year. Well, Kevin, we're thankful for Jason too. Al Basilla wrote that he's thankful for health for me and my family and God's love. Also, plenty of ducks. Lawrence Luma wrote that the flood, he's thankful for the flush podcast for getting me on the right direction towards hunting upland birds. Lawrence actually sent me a message a few weeks or months ago saying that he generally hunted big game, but he had uh, health reasons that would not allow him to do that. And he got into upland bird hunting and found this podcast and said it's really helped him shorten the learning curve into finding success out in the field. Uh, I just love hearing those kind of messages. Uh, Lawrence, I... I'm so glad that you're finding success out there. I also am excited for you in the upcoming ice fishing season. I know you're a big time ice fisherman as well, representing the United States on the world 
ice fishing circuit. And that's a thing, guys. That's really a thing. Darwin Wheeldryer, always, actually, Darwin's always there too. Brett and Darwin, Brett Walton, Darwin, you guys are always, always there. And it's comforting to me. I appreciate you. Darwin wrote that he's thankful for conservation programs that allow landowners like me to put quality habitat back on the landscape. Well, Darwin, as somebody who's been blessed to walk that land that you've worked so hard on with your family, I know that Elm would be so proud of everything that you've done. And congrats to your son for taking that big old buck the other day. Happy Thanksgiving to your entire family. Megan Howell wrote, I'm thankful for every single second I get with my pup who is in liver failure. Every hunt feels like her last, so each day she gets to run the prairie is a blessing. Well, Megan, from all of us here, we just say, oh, our hearts are with you. Everybody listening right now, our hearts are with you. Kurt Robbins wrote, he's thankful for health and such and always will be. I also thankful for my dad who taught me about birds and dogs and at 80 still hunts with me and my setters for grouse and woodcock. No, he's not as coordinated and you have to slow down, but I am blessed he still has the desire as much as he always had. Not sure if Kurt is talking about his dad or his dogs, but either way, what a blessing to be out there in the woods, uh, whether we're as coordinated as we want to be or not. David Hendricks writes, he's thankful for good health and good Minnesota bird population and my fantastic French Brittany Sully. So much to be thankful for. Anthony Smith wrote, I'm thankful to have been able to help again on a veteran's pheasant hunt. It was the best hunt me and the dog have been on. Well, those veterans, thank you. And thank you, really, to anybody and everybody that has served our wonderful country. We thank you, veterans. Clay Wilson is thankful for a great year in South Dakota. You're not alone, Clay. Dwayne Christensen is thankful for Jesus, my family, and this great country. Amen. Gary Forrest I'm thankful that all my titanium joints keep me in the field. A wonderful wife who understands my passion for upland hunting and my pups. I love to follow these precious GSPs. Happy Thanksgiving, Travis, and all of the flush staff. Oh, thanks, Gary. Greg Rain says, two grouse trips and one pheasant trip. My dog figured it out. Best of all, the support of my family. Al Holloway writes, all of the landowners participating in walk-in hunting areas, plots, WIHA, IHAP, WIA, OFW, and all the rest. Bob Manio says, family, including all of our animals. Louie Lentner says, my health, family, and the great outdoors. Steve Lockridge says, the good Lord and good health. That's what he's thankful for. Zach Byers is thankful to be going into the wildlife conservation field. I hope I can make a difference for wildlife. Zach, we hope the same for you. Best of luck. Austin Claridge Clair sent a message saying he's thankful for time spent in the field with loved ones and the opportunity to watch my new puppy learn and develop in the field. Dan Malkehi wrote that he's thankful for bird dogs just as neurotic as I am. Larry Nelson, wait. Just as neurotic as me, as in that Travis, or as you, Dan? I'm not sure where you're going there, but 
No, I'm just kidding. Larry Nelson writes that he's thankful for everything with an LOL on it. Good for you, Larry. That's a way to live. Krista Strebig, hands down, my family. Doug Wyman is thankful for roosters and bird dogs. Mark Lazaro is thankful for the orange flush hat that will be available soon. Well, Mark, you're in luck. Scott Franzen told me yesterday that he placed the order and those hats should be available soon. If you're looking to get one of those hats, you can really thank Scott for that. I'm busy working on podcasts and TV shows, and Scott's the one that does a lot of the work behind the scenes to bring things, extra things to the program, like hats and other fun stuff. And he's also the one that sets up these live shows. I push back and say, well, I'm not sure that I'm going to have enough time to get there. And he says, oh, you've got time, and we're doing it. So a big shout out to Scott. He always seems to put me in a position to share what I love, and I'm grateful for that. Those messages, uh, we appreciate them. Thank you all for sending in what you're thankful for. I think there's more coming in now, but I grabbed what I saw there and wanted to read them so that Brandon has time to get this show out before Thanksgiving. I hope you're on the way, actually, to a hunt as we speak. I wish you luck out there. If you're an outdoor lover on the go, then odds are good that you have toys and equipment that you want to haul. Aluma Trailers, well, they've got you covered. Their trailers are built by a hardworking team in Bancroft, Iowa. They have models for nearly any and every hauling need, from ATV and UTV trailers to utility, snowmobile, motorcycle, car trailers, and even fully enclosed trailers like mine. Trust me when I say that Aluma Trailers tow like a dream. Their trailers are constructed out of lightweight, strong, corrosion-resistant aluminum, and they are 100% maintenance-free. Plus, they come with an industry-best five-year warranty. Visit alumaklm.com to find a trailer that fits your needs. I love my dog, and like you, I always want to make sure that she has what she needs to stay healthy year-round and perform at her best in the field. That's why I feed Daisy Nutrisource high-performance dog food. Nutrisource dog food comes with their good-for-life system that includes four key ingredients that work together to support gut health, heart health, and the overall well-being of our dogs. I have complete confidence that my dog has all of the nutrition to excel in the field and make it through a rigorous hunting season. I've seen it firsthand, and she loves her food. Take it from me and my dog, Daisy. Nutrisource high-performance dog food can help your dog reach their full potential. Find the food that's right for your dog at NutrisourcePetFoods.com. Hunting season is here, and North Dakota is one of my favorite places to spend a fall day. That's because North Dakota is a bird hunting paradise. You can hunt both waterfowl and upland birds all in the same day, and North Dakota has approximately 700,000 acres of private land open to public walk-in hunting. This year, North Dakota has a population estimate of 3.4 million breeding ducks, which is 38% above the long-term average. And their prairie pothole region is smack dab in the middle of the central flyway. Their spring water index also came way up, over 600% from last year's drought. The habitat on the landscape looks great, and bird reports are strong throughout the state. With a little scouting, you just might find yourself in a field surrounded by wild flushing pheasants, sharp-tailed grouse, and Hungarian partridge. Plan a legendary bird hunt this fall in North Dakota at legendarynd.com. Um, 
I've received a lot of questions from listeners over the last few weeks, and we've been in kind of hunt mode, heavy hunt mode from North Dakota to Minnesota to Iowa. There's just been a lot of travel going on, and I haven't compiled all of the questions, but a couple of them continue to come up. So I think it's worth noting here because we're in such a peak time of the hunting season. Uh, a common question that I've, I've received is about nutrition for our dogs to keep them going after these long, strenuous hunts. Um, I can only speak from my perspective. Daisy's a big running dog, and she will easily put on 20 or 30 miles, depending on the day and, and how far we're hunting in the habitat. She comes back really beat up sometimes. She's got six scars that um, every time she runs through cattails, uh, one on each leg, one on her side, one on her cheek, uh, one on her chest. Uh, where's another one? There, there's quite a few. And I look at her and I'm thinking, how do you do it? Like, I've got thick pants on and, you know, they're running face first through that stuff. They're cut up, they're beat up. Um, I feed her Nutrisource Super Performance, Super Performance dog food, which is dog food, high in protein for active dogs, very active dogs. They also have performance blends. Um, my experience has been nothing but incredible. Uh, I can't speak to other foods because I haven't fed Daisy other foods. I feed her that. Uh, you know, I will say that I think, you know, when she's out there day after day after day, I'll put a little extra in the bowl. Um, I'm not really changing a lot other than, you know, maybe giving her a little extra food. Um, I'm also adding, they've got, Nutrisource has this kombucha and it's just, it has a lot of extra nutrients in it. So I'll squeeze a little bit of that on top. Uh, for those of you that your dog doesn't want to eat, this comes up pretty regularly and I've seen it in the field with others. I do bring wet food along and I have given, Nutrisource makes a wet food and they make them in these cans. And I've brought along, I, I pretty much always have them on every hunt because I, although I haven't had to feed Daisy the wet food, um, I've had other dogs on hunting trips that wouldn't eat, that I gave it to in it. It keeps them energized. I think that's very important. Um, it was, interestingly enough, yesterday I had a conversation with a couple people over at Nutrisource, um, and we were talking about, you know, just like how to help people in these situations, you know, the questions that I get asked a lot. And they're coming out with some supplements, which I'm excited about, giving our dogs even more nutrients things that can really help the super active dogs that we have. Let's be honest. Our dogs are not your average dogs. A lot of dogs in, you know, that are family dogs, they go for walks, um, you know, and that might be as much exercise as they get in a day. They don't hunt. They're not out there. Our dogs are athletes. Uh, doesn't matter the breed. They are out there working their butts off, expending a lot of energy, um, and so it's important, it, it's truly important to make sure that they have the nutrients to recover and to keep going. Like I said before, I can only speak to what I've fed my dog, what I feed her. It's working. Um, you know, there's dogs that get more hunt out of, or more days in the field than mine. I get that. But mine gets a lot. Daisy's in the field a lot. 
And all I can say is every day she gets up and she wants more and she goes 30 more miles and she goes 30 more miles and she's never stopped. She's, she has the energy. So I can say that, yes, I'm recommending going that route. Uh, meaning the Nutrisource super performance dog food, chicken and rice formula is what I stick with. During hunting season, I don't change a lot. That's just my take on it. They do have, they do recommend rotational feedings. Nutrisource dog foods have a good for life system that um, all of the foods have. So even if you switch to like salmon or chicken or trout or, you know, they've got different recipes. Um, it's all going to adjust. There's not that, uh, you know, like if you're switching foods and then your dog has issues with switching foods, all of their foods are good. I have just been feeding chicken and rice. It's working. And uh, when something works, I don't like to mess with it. Another question that I've received a few times too is, um, what do you do with dogs that aren't comfortable with other dogs? or traveling, they get extremely stressed out. Well, when you come across those situations, um, and again, I don't feel like I'm the expert here. A vet might be better off to, to give this, and I will have a vet on soon to bring in some of the questions that I've received during hunting season. But I think this goes back to things that we do in training season and puppy season and development. It's just bringing your dog out regularly take them on car rides if you're going somewhere instead of leaving them at home, getting them comfortable to the crate, to riding in a truck, to other dogs, and, you know, having them be around other dogs in non-hunting scenarios so that they're comfortable with that. That's, that's important when you're raising a puppy is to expose them to a lot of people, a lot of things, a lot of noises, a lot of other dogs. Because when the day comes that you're out in the field in South Dakota and there's six other dogs in the field and all your buddies and you drove out there and now they're stressed out because they rode for five hours in the car and now they're stressed because there's other dogs, then I feel like it's a little bit too late. Not that it, you wouldn't be able to work through it, but it just is a good reminder to introduce your dogs to a lot early on in life and continuously. So when you finally have time off from work, to go out in the field, you get to make the most of it. Uh, Nick Aarons just wrote, Hey, Travis, I have a bird dog question that's been on my mind this season, and I'm trying to get multiple opinions from other pointer owners out there. The question is about those running roosters and the discipline of shooting birds over a steady dog whenever possible. How do you think our pointers handle the constant behavioral changes of different species going from sharp tail to rough grouse and woodcock, to pheasants. They all hold different in cover. Some grouse guys don't hunt pheasants to keep their dogs cautious in the woods. How have your dogs handled the multi-species changes during their development? Thanks for the insight. This is a really, really good question. I think it could have an entire podcast devoted to answering this, but Nick, um, you're definitely not alone. I talk about this with friends pretty regularly. I have the, um, I'm blessed to be able to go to a lot of places and hunt a variety of birds and with a variety of people, but that also means a variety of dogs. And that has been a real challenge for my dog in her two years leading up to this one. 
that she would be on point on a covey of sharp-tailed grouse and uh, a flushing dog would come up beside her and flush those birds. And now she thinks that's what we're supposed to do. Well, I spent all of last season when the camera wasn't rolling, I'd take her out and we would hunt and she had to learn that she's not getting the reward when she flushes a bird. And trust me, that was painful. The last half of last year was really tough. I could have shot a lot of pheasants, but I chose not to because I was trying to bring my dog back to the point where she knows her role in the hunt, in our partnership. She's the pointer. If she wants to run out there at 200 yards, 300 yards, I'm fine, but she cannot flush the bird. If there's a bird 10 yards in front of us and she runs in and flushes it, I'm not pulling the trigger. I think what ends up happening, and this is the advice that I've received from a lot of people, is that we reward bad behavior from our dogs and they continue that behavior. So therefore, if you you asked about those running roosters and the discipline of shooting birds over a steady dog, some people will say, you know what? I'm not a purist. I If I get the shot, I'm taking it. I totally understand that. I respect that. But what I've seen personally and what I've learned is that by encouraging poor behavior for a short period of time, it leads to a lifetime of poor behavior from our dogs and a lifetime of challenges. There's a reputation that Um, I will say people that I know that have labs, labs are wonderful pheasant dogs, wonderful duck dogs. They're wonderful dogs. They're beautiful. They're excellent in so many ways. They range typically pretty close. They're usually within gun range. And when they flush a bird, that bird is typically within shooting distance. Now pointers A lot of them are, we want them to get out and find the birds. I want them to go run 400 yards out in the middle of the field and check that rock pile. I don't want to walk out there. That's why I train her. But if she flushes a bird, it doesn't do any good. And so there's this reputation that some of them have received that they go in and they blow up a field. My dog has done it. Heck, that's what I spent all last year trying to break her of. Um, You know, so the goal is for your dog to understand And there's nothing that teaches them more than wild birds. By not getting that reward at the end, over time, it should sink in. You're correcting the mistakes. Don't ever take away a creep. I've been told that by many, many world-class dog trainers. If your pointer is creeping and the bird flushes, do not shoot it. If you want your dog to break that habit. If you have to stop your dog with the collar while they're creeping up on a bird in front of them, then they're always going to expect you to tell them when to stop. That's the other advice I was given. So when it comes to running pheasants, <laughs> running pheasants can ruin a good pointer. That's, that's the truth. But the reality is we're hunting them. I'm hunting them. And I've let my dog work through some of the challenges. I think with time, you're going to see how they understand those birds. Now, a woodcock three inches from her snout sitting there is way different than a rough grouse, is different than a sharp-tailed grouse, is different than a running pheasant or bobwhite quail coveys. I mean, they, they, dogs are smart. They're amazing. If we focus on the fundamentals 
and put them in a situation. Let them make some mistakes, correct them when the time is right to correct them, and watch how they change their behavior. I watched Daisy go through this. She flushed a couple roosters. She got a little too close. Hens will let them let her get closer. She flushes a rooster. I look at her, and I just had to give her the look, and I didn't shoot it. She flushed it, and she licked her lips. She blinked. She licked again. That's saying, all right, I'm buying in, Dad. I'm, I'm here. We're doing this together. The next bird she, she gave a little bit more distance to. I walked in and flushed them. I shot the bird. She goes and gets it. I think by not letting my emotions or any sort of frustrations get involved there, I allowed her to make a little bit of a mistake. Fortunately, we were in a place that she had another opportunity. And then the repetition again and again. But I will say, and I was talking to Scott Franzen about this yesterday, you know, going down to Iowa last week, there were sometimes six or seven dogs in the field at one time. There's some dogs that have a drive and they're competitive. That changes things. And so if your conditions, your circumstances in the field change, you should acknowledge that. It's different if I go hunt with my dog. I'm going to let her get out in range. I'm going to let her go find those birds. I know they're running. She knows they're running. She, I trust her now. I trust her to know the distance. If she flushes them and we don't get a shot, I think she gets it. She says, whew, I messed that one up, Dad. She gives herself a little bit more space. I'm not touching the collar anymore. But when you're in a situation with other dogs, it can change the performance of yours. Just be aware of that when you walk out into the field. It's not going to be the same when you're hunting by yourself with just your dog. Doesn't mean it's right or wrong. It just means expect it to be different because of that competitive drive. They want to get that bird first. Now they might bump one because they're just having to get a little closer because Butch is coming up alongside and Daisy doesn't want Butch to get that bird, you know? So be aware of those, those types of things, I guess. Um, you know, and the different birds and the different habitats, man, I've seen dogs that have never smelt a chucker before go running up and down a mountain and freeze the second they smell a chucker. They get it. They know what that smell means. It clicks. Their mom and dad put that in them when they made that dog, and it is a beautiful thing. They figure it out. Wild birds, and a lot of them, make a dog. Many trainers have told me that. I believe it. I've seen it. They have to work through some of the challenges, but they usually come out better in the end. Just hold them accountable. That's all. Just hold them accountable so that the mistakes don't continue. That's it for today. I feel like I've talked for a long time. <laughs> I hope that you stuck with me. I appreciate each and every one of you. There's a lot of season left. Get out there. Enjoy it. There's a lot of birds on the ground right now. I think the weather for the most part is going to be beautiful. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. From all of us here at The Flush, we wish you a happy Thanksgiving and a happy holidays to come. It's hunting season. Get out there and enjoy it. I'm Travis Frank. I'll be back next week with another episode of The Flush Podcast. 